Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Well, as promised, we have our class of 2022 Appalachian Trail through hikers that we're going to be following and rooting for here on Papa Bear Hikes. They've been kind enough to give up some time tonight to join us and share with us their stories, what's motivated them to hike the trail and some of the steps they've taken to prepare themselves and motivate us to root these guys on. I've talked about this in episodes. You know, we'd love to root for these guys. We want to see them finish. And I want this year to be able to provide an experience for the listeners to follow these hikers from, well, in the case of these three, I believe you guys are all nobos to go from Springer to Katahdin. I would like to welcome Justin, Jake, and Stan. They're all going to have an opportunity to let them introduce themselves individually. So we'll start with Jake. Jake, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Jake. Uh, those of you guys who met me last year on trail, uh, I'm also known as Sidetrack. Uh, I made an attempt uh, last year, 2021, that didn't go my way. I got off at Clingman's Dome and I'm back to give it another shot. Uh, I've got cerebral palsy, so that's, you know, presenting some interesting issues, but uh, hopefully you guys will get to hear a little bit more about how I deal with that. And, you know, hopefully it's a success. Justin? What's up, everybody? Uh, it's Justin here, I'm also known as Trailhead Justin on Instagram and YouTube. I'm 29 years old from Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm an inspiring through hiker. So you can catch me on the AT this year starting February 20th. And Stan. And I'm Stan Suter, also known as Stan the Man. That's my handle on YouTube. I don't know if that would be my trail name or not. Uh, well, that's left to be seen. Uh, but I'm from Staten Island, New York, and uh, really excited to get – I'm retiring in three weeks now um, and really anxious to get this hike started March 15th. Stan the Man sounds like a trail name you were born with. Well, I mean, it sounds like a name you, you, I, I, if I were going to wage on this, that's going to end up being your trail name, whether you want it or not. <laughs> it's funny. I've been uh, called that my whole life. And then I actually was doing some trail magic for someone down around Blue Mountain, kind of treated him to lunch. And then I started to walk out and the bar owner goes, Hey, get back here. He goes, you're Stan the man. And so I kind of said, all right, someone on the trail kind of gave me the name so I can kind of adopt it. And at this point, we're midway, just about the midway point in January. I'm assuming everybody has a targeted leave date, targeted start date. Justin, have you picked your date yet? And we've mentioned this on when I interviewed you. So not everybody has heard the previous interviews. If you want to go over that again with us, if you have, if you have a date at this point. Yeah, so I'm about a month out at this point. Uh, I'll be starting the approach trail uh, on February 20th, which is the day after my 30th birthday. So, yeah, cool. And that's an easy one for us all to remember, right? That's a, 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 a day after your 30th birthday. So, yeah, everybody following Justin, make sure you throw him a happy birthday out there too when you watch his videos. Hopefully, you're going to put up a video for your birthday. Stan, how about you? Yeah, March 15th. Um, I do the approach trail on March 14th. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking really forward to that. I Justin's quite a few weeks ahead of me. So I was actually hoping to get to meet him on the trail. But uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever catch you at that rate. <laughs> you know, I might not be going that fast to start off. So, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Me either. <laughs> How about you, Jake? Have you picked a start date? Yeah, um, it was kind of tentative, but it's pretty locked in. So uh, I'll be bringing up the rear March 25th. Last year, I left on the 10th and it was cold. So I figured I'd give it a few more days this time around. So I'll be uh, trying to catch up with Stan. Probably not going to catch Justin, but, you know. No, nah, you got a good shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> you just Trailing. never know early on. Yeah. Right? You just never know. And that would be kind of cool if you guys did cross paths somewhere on the trail among the three of you. Yeah, it would be cool. Well, Santa came, Santa went. Hopefully everybody's in good shape gear-wise. Uh, how about you, Stan? Are you, how are you looking gear-wise at this point? Yeah, I'm looking pretty good gear-wise. Um, have a couple of electronic things I want to get yet. Uh, a remote for my camera uh, so I don't have to set the timer. 
Uh, I've got my inReach mini inReach yet. And uh, not much more than that, though. Jake? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. Uh, I need a new pair of shoes. I already know what shoes I'm going to be running. Um, and I th- I'm thinking about maybe getting some new trekking poles. Uh, mine were sitting in the garage, and the humidity's kind of beat them up a little bit. But other than that, I'm I'm pretty set and dialed in. I think I got a new cook pot uh, coming. So just a few little tweaks, but I know everything I'm going to be carrying. It's just a few things here and there to pick up. And Justin, you had mentioned in our interview there were there's some adjustments you're already making based on your Dolly Sods hike. You want to share that with us? Yeah, uh, since that trip, I have decided to go uh, 10 degrees lower as far as my quilts. So I now have a 10 degree quilt, which I think is going to be more my speed. And I've invested into some real warm weather gloves. So I just ordered a pair of, of down mittens to go over top of some possum uh, gloves. So my hands are not going to freeze. And yeah, aside from that, I think I pretty much have everything I need. Uh, funny enough, the only thing that I don't have at the current moment is my pack because that's still being made. So I should have that by the end of this month. So let's hope. Uh, Justin, you did that Dolly Sods hike and that was an easy one, right? That was your that was a taste of cold weather hiking, and I'm get you were doing that to prepare yourself for the early part of your hike. It's still going to be cold. It's Georgia, it's down south, but you're in the mountains. Yeah. So are you are you feeling a little bit better prepared now after that? I mean, I know you made the gear adjustment, but mentally, do you feel like you're prepared for it now? Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Um, honestly, before that Dolly Side trip, I was feeling pretty good. I was just sort of in the mindset of let me just go out and test it for a night, make sure all my stuff works the way that I need it to work. Uh, for the most part, everything did. So I'm feeling much more confident and comfortable with that. And I'm ready to go. And it can be zero degrees for all I care. And I'm still going to go out there and I can stay in a hotel if, or a hostel if I need to. And if trail throws some really cold weather or unexpected weather at you, you're probably a little bit better prepared now, which should yeah. increase your chances of moving forward and reaching that magic point where I'm getting there. Totally. Stan, we're preparing everything. We just touched on uh, hikes he took to prepare. Dolly Sods was one of them, Loyal Sock Trail. What have you done to prepare, Stan? Um, Just doing day hikes um, with my equipment. Uh, We just did, (laughs) I did one this past weekend and it was seven degrees when we started and I was helping someone else uh, finish off New York, and it was a 14-mile hike uh, in the snow and, in, and with the leaves under the snow. So, you know, your feet are sliding all over the place, and you're up and over rocks. Yeah, I thought I was, like, really in pretty decent shape to get that 14 miles in. I was a little sore after that. Um, I'd had some new equipment that I got, some new warm. I got some uh, Ibex club liners, smart wool. Glad I had those along. Um, but what I was wearing, I, I felt really good about with with hiking. You know, I, I so I feel like my cold weather stuff is pretty dialed in. Last year, I did a hike uh, up in Connecticut, like a three-day hike in the winter. And um, that really d- did a lot to help prepare me for, for some of the cold weather that, you know, obviously will hit. Uh, in in the south, hopefully I won't hit as much as Justin does. <laughs> in that three weeks seems to make a difference, and maybe you know Jake won't get as as much as I do, even you know being a week behind. You don't want to ditch your cold weather gear till a little bit after the Smokies, you know, because you'll have a couple of days, but it shouldn't be too horrible. Yeah, that's what I hear. The nights can get a little cold, but um, I mean. You know, if you stay out of the, at least stay out of the wind, you know, make sure the shelter's not open right to the wind. If that's the case, get in your tent. You should be, you should be all right. Mm. Good to hear from the voice of experience. Nah. <laughs> uh, a lot of hikers I follow, I hear stories about the trail loses a lot of people early on, right? Coming out of Georgia, that's where people are likely to quit. And it seems to me people just aren't prepared for those cold weather nights. Like possibly people coming from the north thinking, well, Georgia, how cold can it be? 
and they get hit with that mm-hmm. cold weather. And it sounds like all three of you guys are ready for it. I mean, not that it, you're not going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have those times where it's going to probably be tough out there for you, but you've tested your gear and there has to be some comfort in that. What do you think, Jake? So for me, um, I mean, like my biggest thing is just growing up in Michigan, like as a scout, I've been in a lot of, I've been in much worse cold weather and been much more poor, inadequately prepared um, to kind of know some of the little other tips and tricks you can do as far as keeping yourself warm. So I'm not too particularly concerned. Um, One thing I will say, a word of advice, I know you guys have probably looked into this, but on cold nights, calories before bed is a huge thing. Um, One thing I did a lot of, or a couple times that I really liked was I had uh, honey with me and I had some dried fruit. And before I'd go to bed, I would boil a pot full of water and throw the dried fruit and the honey in there. And it makes like a nice sweet tea, lots of calories, drink it, hang your bear bag, get right in your tent, go to sleep. Cause that, uh, you know, that food will, you know, give you the energy to stay warm for those, you know, first few hours. Um, other than that, as long as your gears dialed, you should be okay and try your best not to get wet, which is the hardest part of Georgia in my mind. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through the process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they'll likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Right. Mm. And I know from years of being in scouts as an, an adult leader, you know, the combination of wet and cold is what gets dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, being able to change yeah. into dry socks, having a dry set of clothes to get into when you get into your tent could make, is, could make a big difference or would will make a big difference. Yeah. We, yeah. we had a day, we had a day last year when I was hiking, um, it was supposed to rain all day and get cold that night. And I spent, you know, most of the day in my tent and by the time i went stir crazy i got up to hike uh i ran into some friends i said what are you doing out here i said well i'm just gonna keep hiking i said no you're not it's gonna be five degrees and you're wet and we uh rode back down into town in the back of a u-haul truck to spend a night in a hotel because it's not it's not worth risking your life out there if you're soaking wet and it's going to be single digits Mm. stan i was just i was just telling these guys before you uh before you joined in, in the, in the pre-interview that up here in New York, we're getting our first taste of winter. I went out and hiked in the Catskills this weekend and we had a dusting of snow, Ah, but you were in that seven degree weather too. Not enough snow that we could put snowshoes on just enough. So those leaves were slipping under us, what ended up going on, putting Mm. spikes on and and going up there. But even being in New York, you've got to feel like now, or it sounds at least you've been preparing yourself for these cold weather days and, and you're ready for, for Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I was just talking to someone the other night. I, I was like, you know, I, I feel ready for the cold weather, but I don't like the idea of getting into the shelter in my tent and, you know, sitting in an ice box, you know, and it's just like <laughs> that, the thought of that kind of, you know, is not too inviting, but, and then trying to edit videos in that. And, um, so yeah, I'm not looking too forward to the, to sitting in an ice box at night and not having a place to go into warm up, but Hey, you know, if we have to endure that for the first month or so, that's the way it is. You know, it's, it's, it's worth it. it, it that would never hold me back. If it was, if it was easy enough where you had pleasant weather, right? Temperatures in the seventies and sunshine for five or six straight months, a lot more people would be finishing it. Yep. That's true. Now, you're not done with the cold weather when the seasons change because you're going to get up to New Hampshire and Maine 
Mm-hmm. Justin, what's your strategy as you move forward? Obviously, as the temperatures change, your gear, you're going to be making the adjustments in your gear for the temperature change. But then you need to get that cold weather gear back to you as you get up to the whites. Do you have a strategy in mind yet? Uh, I haven't necessarily thought that far ahead. Uh, I'm pretty much going to play it by ear. And I'm pretty much, I'm a cold sleeper anyway. So even in the warmer seasons, I can get pretty chilly at night. So I usually keep my same 20 degree uh, quilt on me anyway. So, I mean, I'll probably carry my quilt the entire way just to be safe. And I'll always have like an extra layer or two. So um, I'm pretty sure I'll be okay with that. Right. It won't be a big adjustment for you. Right, Being a cold sleeper, as you said. Right. Just maybe some tweaks here and there. If you mean, maybe you get up, maybe the weather's are, weather's a little bit unseasonably cold as you get up north. Maybe you need a few things, but you're pretty much going to need that cooler weather gear to keep you warm. I don't have that problem. I'm a hot sleeper. So with me, I'd be shedding that cold <laughs> weather gear as soon as I could. <laughs> Jake, how about you? Do you have a, anything in mind how you're going to do that with your gear moving it forward from season to season? Yeah. So I'm a little bit more like you. I, I, I sweat in my sleep. I'm a furnace. So, you know, I don't have that much cold weather gear as far as like things I'd send home. Uh, my quilts are 25. I do have a liner that I'll probably send back, although it's so light, it's almost negligible. So, you know, we'll see if I get tired of carrying it enough to, to pay for a box home. But, uh, I mean, most of my gear um, is going to be stuff I'm going to want to have with me anyway. Um, and I just figure, you know, sleeping with a quilt, those hot nights in Virginia, I can just throw the quilt off to the side and, you know, sprawl out in the tent or cowboy camp on a clear night. Right. So similar to Justin, yeah, you're just, your setup is adjustable. So you don't have that logistic issue. Stan, is there an approach you're taking to deal with the seasonal changes? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, starting off with the 20 degree quilt, which I've used along with a silk liner, which I'll take along with me at the start. And I've, I've tested it and it's, you know, along with sleeping with some cold weather type clothes, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I stay completely warm along with the booties, uh, the down booties that really helps. I've found out. Um, so yeah, but I, once it gets warm, I, I hate sleeping hot. So what I've even considered for like a month or so, like when I get into July and start getting into those hot nights, just maybe sending the quilt back for um, a month or so and just sleeping with the with the liner to lighten the load. I have done that in the past, just slept with the silk liner, and I've been totally comfortable doing that. So, I might, you know, that might be one route I go for maybe a month or so. I, you know, I would never do that, say, north of Vermont. Uh, I'm going to have my quilt. But down in the mid-Atlantic sections, it's a possibility I may send it back. Haven't made that decision yet. Probably be a, you know, a game day type of decision. Like, all right, I think I can send this back. And then a cold streak could come in. <laughs> That's how it works, right? I think the liner yep. approach is uh, catching on. I'm hearing more and more people do it. I've been doing it for years in the shoulder seasons. I have a 20-degree bag. And instead of buying a 15- or 10-degree bag, because Stan, you know up here in New York, shoulder seasons mm-hmm. could get pretty – it mm-hmm. could drop down pretty cold. It could still get way down there in, in, in yep. March. And uh, So you need to be prepared for it. But the liner seems to give you that adjustability. So if you're – a warmer sleeper like Justin, well, maybe that gives you that extra insulation you need on those colder nights or the hotter sleepers were able just to maybe shed the quilt that night or for a night or two and be comfortable just sleeping in a liner. Yeah. And it sounds like your gear, you've all kind of taken this approach where you know, you're thinking ahead in terms of, you know, don't complicate it. That doesn't mean you won't have gear adjustments you make along the way, but you seem to have all put a lot of thought into this. Jake? Well, one thing I will say that, that occurred to me, um, as far as like the logistics of changing gear, uh, you guys might want to consider, you know, bouncing some stuff from from one post office to another, or posting stuff to a hostel further up the way. Um, I know, you know, if you've got a really good support system, it's easy to send stuff home, but then you got to call and, you know, hey, send this to. Oh, I don't know where. Where am I going to send it to? What's my timeline? Um, whereas, you know, a lot of times if you call a hostel up ahead and you say, hey. 
you know, can you hold this for me? I'm going to be up there in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, places along the trail are equipped to do that. And I haven't done that, but there's a lot of, of folks that take that approach. They'll strip down their gear and bounce it ahead to, you know, closer up in the Northeast where, where you are going to get those cold nights. So that might be something where you just know it's waiting for you and you just got to hike your way to it. Um, you know, that, that might be something to consider as opposed to sending it all the way back home and having to get other folks involved in the logistics. That makes sense. Yeah. That's good to know. Yep. And I'm not super well up on the process, but I, it's so common that this should, it's pretty easy information to find. Yeah. And I have two questions. And I'm going to go, I'm going to get back to the other one, but right. These are often referred to as bounce boxes, right? You send stuff ahead to another location. The three of you have done a reasonable amount of physical preparation on the other side of this, but looking ahead and studying the trail, has there anything, any of you have done special to prepare yourself for like, say the logistics or what the town amenities are as you move along? Justin, is there anything you've done you'd like to share with us? Um, you know, I've started looking through the far out formerly known as gut hooks app um you know there's a lot of information on there about what each town offers and different hostels that you can check out and resupply points so i've just been sort of loosely looking through at least the georgia north carolina tennessee areas just to see what i might be running into and where i can sort of uh resupply and find places to stay and things like that but I'm not planning too far ahead beyond that just because I just don't think that far ahead. Uh, I'm pretty sure that once I get out there and get into a rhythm, I'll just figure the rest of it out. But uh, initially, I'm just looking at those uh, those early points that I'll probably hit sooner and just getting a sense of the land, I suppose. Just approaching it as you move along, right? Where am I going next, right? In the next five or six days, I need to resupply or go in town. What's there for me? Because I think we all right. know even people who haven't through hiked, those of us that are just YouTube junkies, we know that there's, you, you can go along from point to point and be okay. There's enough places there, right? Stan, I know you've done a lot of preparation by, you know, you've watched a lot of videos and followed a lot of people. You've done trail magic. How do you, how well prepared do you feel on that, from that perspective in terms of what's out there ahead of you as you go from point to point? I think, I mean, some of the least experience I have is in resupply and getting into town and such. And so, I, you know, that I, I feel at times a little nervous about that, but everybody tells me don't. You know, it, it will come naturally after, you know, a little after a few weeks, you'll be you'll get right into the flow of it. I have done a lot of research just from doing trail magic and watching hundreds and hundreds of vlogs. Um, you know, I try to write down in my 2015, 2016, 2015 AWOL guide, I think it was, um, have just been writing places down as people have mentioned them. Like, you know, this is a can't miss. I have to stop here. I have to stop there. They have great Wi-Fi, this and that. But I think really I'm kind of taking more Justin's approach that, you know, I'm going to figure it out as I go. And there'll be times when I want to hit a spot and, you know, friends would be going there and, and, and so I'm just going to go, you know, and I, I think I'm going to figure it out as I go, kind of take more of that approach. Now, Jake, you've started the trail before, so. Yeah. So to, to put these guys at ease, I think, I think that's the, that's the right approach. Um, there are going to be a million people out there that are going to spend hours and hours looking at gut hook and reading all the comments and having everything prepared. There's going to be somebody in the shelter talking about what their plan is and what they've heard about this or a section hiker who knows the area or a trail maintenance guy. So you'll have access to all that information and you'll know what the next town is. It's not going to be more than six days hike away at maximum. You know, you'll kind of have an idea just of talking to people, especially, you know, you stand starting in the middle of the bubble and Justin, you're kind of getting the front end of the bubble. So you know, there are going to be a lot of people who've done the research for you. And I find it's a lot less mentally stressful. Mm. If you're going to be doing grocery store stops to do that. Um, there is an article uh, on the Trek that goes through a couple of the, um, the like tough resupplies. Cause like Fontana dam 
is an expensive resupply if you want to resupply there. So like that might be somewhere to send a box. After the Smokies, I know it can be kind of hard to get into Hartford, Tennessee. So to send a box to Standing Bear, Hostel, a lot of people will do that. There's a couple of places along the way where it's a little bit more challenging if you really want to send a box. But most people don't, and most people don't need right. to. Yeah. And on the topic of boxes, resupply boxes, people, there's a number of approaches people take. And for different reasons sometimes dietary limitations or medications put people in a position where they need to send boxes ahead and they have resupply boxes along the way. They might be sent to a post office or what I have been hearing is the most effective way is to send it to an establishment. It's more reliable, especially if it's a hostel, you know, it's going to be open seven days a week, uh, unlike a post office and some of these rural post offices. Like I know one year when I was in Massachusetts, I practically had to run to get there before they closed. I mean, I woke up in the morning thinking, okay, I've got to get an early start because I know they close at 12 and I got there at 1130. So some people have different reasons why they need to do this. They may use a combination of resupplying. You know, maybe they have to send boxes of medications and other personal supplies ahead, or maybe they just are sending all their food needs. Some people are doing all the resupply in town. Uh, Stan, let's start with you. Do, have you thought about that yet? How you're going to go about your resupplying? Yeah, just I'm, I'm going to figure it out as I go. You know, just get into town, whether I have to hitchhike or Uber in or walk in, whatever, just get in. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, I'm I'm getting enough miles in that I don't have to carry too much food to the next stop. Um, some, a through hiker once told me that it's like an exercise in starvation, like <laughs> to figure out how much food you need to carry and how light you can get to get to the next spot. Like, you know, the, the, the more you, the less you carry, the faster you can go, but the hungrier you get. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like this balancing act you have to find, but yeah, I just planned to, you know, plan for a few days ahead. I'll always probably have a little bit extra with me and they, you know, you do that anyway. They say you pack your fears so I'll probably have a little bit extra, but I don't want to have a lot of a lot of extra. I I don't want to carry a bunch of extra food if I'm if I find that I'm not eating something, gonna go in a hiker box, and um, yeah, just get into town and, and you know find the nearest grocery store and get what I can get and try to eat as much healthy food as I can get while while I'm in there as well. Justin, uh, what's your approach? What, have you thought about this? Um, I'm not really planning to send myself any boxes. Um, I can barely figure out what I want to eat on a daily basis as it is. And there's no way I can mm-hmm. possibly think what I'm going to want at that time. And if I send myself a box and get it and end up not wanting anything in it, I'm going to be pissed. So I'm just not <laughs> going to bother with that. Um there have been a few people who have reached out to me either through YouTube or Instagram, and they've offered to send me uh, resupply boxes. And to them, I say, great, if you want to do it, here's where you can send it. Perfect. I'll take whatever you give me, but I'm just not going through all that for myself. And Jake, you know, from your experience, I've learned this the hard way that when I did the long trail, I had my resupply boxes. I sent them, they were there at the hostels when I arrived and and now I go out on these trips and, and this year when I hike, there's not going to be any resupply boxes because what I'm learning is that's part of the adventure. That's part of the fun is going into town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're meeting people, you're there in there with fellow hikers. Maybe you're sitting down and having, having a meal with them. Jake, was that kind of your experience last year? And like, I'm guessing you're going to take the same yeah. approach. It sounds like you're going to take the same approach this year. Definitely. I think for, for the people that advocate for it, um, I know like one of the more popular guys that sends all his own resupply is uh, if you guys ever watch Jupiter, he's like super ultra light mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. he, he's kind of of the mindset of like, he's minimalist on weight and all his money is on his gear. So if you're like super on a budget, it may help like you're not going to save a bunch of money buying in bulk because all that money is going to go on postage, but you're not going to stop at the pizza shop in town because you're going to grab your box and go. So if you're a college kid, that's like, I got to do this in three months, you know, or like I'm just out of high school going into college. I got three months to do this. It might make sense to send yourself boxes just so you can jet into town, grab it and go. 
but if you're not under a time constraint, I feel like you're going to have a much more pleasurable experience, like going into the grocery store, experiencing the small town hospitality, like for heaven's sake, eat a salad every once in a while. Yes. You're going to need it. Mm-hmm. You know, Don't let yourself become malnourished. Like, Well, to this day, I can't, I can't eat oatmeal, brown sugar oatmeal. Yeah, I can't eat oatmeal at all. I'm not a fan either. Well, I was a big fan of it until I packed it in all my resupply boxes in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I, we didn't actually crunch any numbers, but we had the conversation, Jacob, are we saving money by this approach with the resupply boxes? And we were like, if it, if we are, it's so neg- negligible that it's just maybe not even worth the effort of her getting to the post office and us hoping mm-hmm. that it gets to gets there on time or even makes it to where I need it to be. And that's, that's the conclusion we've come to. And myself personally, like I said, I love going into town. Stan? Yeah, well, I, I can remember out doing some trail magic, hiking up the trail. I think this was near Kent, Connecticut, and a through hiker just running past me saying he had to get to Kent you know, in time to get his resupply box or he was going to be stuck there in Kent until Monday because it wasn't, you know, and and he was literally, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I hope you make it. He had, you know, a few miles to go in like 45 minutes to get there. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, you know, I wish I could help the guy, but he was just flying down the trail. And I was like, "Mm, I don't want to do that when I hike. I don't want to get stuck in town or feel like I have to run, you know, and and risk injury running to get your resupply. It's not attractive to me. Right. It's that stress. I told you, when I hiked through Massachusetts, I went through this where it was on a Friday night and Saturday morning, I had to get to the post office. And yeah, you know, and it's, it takes away from the fun. I'm somebody who likes to take my time in the morning, packing up and heading out. And here's Mm -hmm. the other thing. When I did the long trail, I remember every time I went into town, I, I went into town four different times, stayed at hostels and stayed at the end on the, at the long trail on one of them, which I highly recommend to you guys if you're, when you get up into Killington. Great meal, great hiker breakfast. But anyway, mm. I was always leaving stuff in the hiker box because I would go, ha- who wants to eat dehydrated food when they've got this delicious meal? right in town or we're at the hotel right. you're staying at or, or you know I'm going to give up the hiker breakfast that's included in my my lodging to eat oatmeal yeah so i found myself every time i stopped tossing like a bunch of food a bunch of the food i shipped to myself into the box uh jake uh one thing i will say as you bring that up like when you guys are this is one thing i ran into it's not huge but it helps you dial in a little quicker when you're calculating how many days until your next resupply you usually you'll go into town you go to the grocery store you'll open up your gut hook or whatever they're calling it now and um you know, kind of how many days am I shopping for? Well, you should bet on probably eating a meal before you leave town. Most likely you're going to have breakfast provided for you, or you're going to have scrounged away for breakfast. If not, know that. And then bet on getting a meal in town, at least one meal in town at your next resupply stop, if not two. So usually what I'll do is go, okay, how many days times three, and then I'll short myself by mm. you know, two or three meals just knowing that, you know, God forbid I'm a little bit hungry walking into the next town. It might even be preferable because I know I'm going to be able to get good food, you know, at the next stop. And that'll kind of keep you from walking into town and being like, well, I got a whole day's worth of food, you know, and then you buy three days worth of food. And the next thing you know you're walking into town for a resupply and you're like, well, I got three extra days of food already. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. You're carrying for no reason. And that's what I found with the resupply boxes. <laughs> who wants to walk past? And here's the other thing. I asked somebody who did, was a calendar or triple hiker, where's the best pizza? Because there's no way I'm walking past a pizza place. And, you know, Stan, being from New York, we can, we could be pizza snobs, right? We are. We, we know good pizza yeah, in New York. Yep. Do we not? Okay. So... Yes, yes. <laughs> but the pizza tastes great when you've been hiking for five days. I'm just going to tell you, Stan, everybody's pizza <laughs> tastes good. <laughs> uh, I, it sounds it sounds good already. 
I used to walk into town and ask them where the best burger in town was, and then I'd stop at whichever one was closest. Because right, they all taste good after McDonald's, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> they all taste the same. So, Justin, how are you feeling about that? Are you getting hungry now, too? I mean, you're getting ready to go out soon. Is it going through your mind? Yeah, I am hungry. And <laughs> show me where the food is. And every town I get to, I want to know where I can eat. And I saved all the money that I saved so that I can eat as much as I want. So point me in the direction of that. And that's where I'm going. About a month or so ago, I interviewed Terry Coyle, who goes by the trail name Seven. And he has a YouTube channel called Hiker Trash. And he was talking about a documentary he's going to make this year on the Appalachian Trail. And that was one of the things he talked about, Justin, was have enough money. I asked him, if you can give a through hiker an aspiring through hiker advice, what would it be? He, it was have enough money to go out there and enjoy yourself because that's part of the fun. You don't want to have to run back out on the trail and skip having some pizza or a cold beer with your friends because you just didn't save enough money. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that was sound advice because anybody that's done any long distance hiking, whether it's for multiple weeks or multiple months, it's just, it's, it adds to the adventure. Some, I had as much fun sometimes in town as I did hiking along the trail or in camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I decided I wanted to do this hike in 2018 and finances was the one thing that was stopping me. So it's taken me, what is it, four years now to save up a good chunk of chains where I feel like I can do this comfortably and I don't have to race. I don't really have to worry too much about funds. And when I finish my hike, I should still have a little cushion to fall back on. So that's how I wanted to go into this. And I'm glad that I made it happen. So mm-hmm. yeah. you're out there working hard for five or six days straight. You don't want to walk into the grocery store saying, okay, I've got this. I can only spend this much. If I skip the Pop-Tarts, maybe I can get a slice of pizza. Uh, you want to, I mean, not you know, go crazy spending, have a budget, have restraints, but you want to be able to go out there and enjoy yourself, right. have enough money to be able to do it in a way that's enjoyable for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the, it's the real town experiences that are going to run you you know, a little bit more money, you know, because nor rice sides are great trail food and they cost next to nothing. You know, the pop tarts at a certain point, it's negligible, but you know, that, you know, that hungry hiker breakfast or that, you know, whatever brewery you're going to with your buddies at the end of a long day or to, to take a hostel stop versus, you know, hiking in and hiking out. Those are real great experiences that you don't want to have to miss out on from a budgetary standpoint. Right. Stan, I got a question for Jake since he hiked the trail, a uh, portion of it already um, down in the Georgia area in terms of food, did you find that you had to pack out less be uh, just because of the amount of trail magic? So that was a weird thing. When I started, like I had this weird habit of missing trail magic and then I stopped off, uh, for a couple of, uh, for about two weeks and did a work for stay at a hostel. So I watched a lot of people come through that are like, I hadn't had to eat out of my bag in three days because there was so much trail magic. So it really depends. I wouldn't necessarily bet on trail magic because it's a little bit inconsistent, but it seems like when you get it, you get a lot of it. And there is a lot in Georgia, but I don't think I would feel comfortable shorting my food supply Um, but I will say you're probably, I mean, I don't know, you've been, you've been doing a lot of hiking, so you probably understand a little bit where your appetite's at, Stan, Mm -hmm. but most people remarked that they were actually eating less just with the amount of exercise. Yep. You're doing those long days. A lot of people were saying they're eating less. So you could maybe pack a little less than you think you're going to eat just considering that. But I don't think that the trail magic is – you don't want to bet on that overcoming it because you may go three, four days without trail magic and you know you don't want to have to skip meals when you're already undergoing four to six months of prolonged starvation. Right. Good advice. Now, all three of you have different ways that you're – well, two of you are YouTubers and Jake, you're going to be – you're writing for the trek along here. So you, you all have your ways you're going to share – your experience in addition to coming on the podcast along the way and sharing with us. Let's start 
with you this time, Jake, and tell us what you'll be doing to share your journey in addition to the podcast. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, I put in an application to write for the Trek a couple of weeks ago. Thankfully they accepted. So I basically have free reign, um, to post essentially anything related to me and my hike. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of the extra stuff, the gear reviews, the advice, um, because I haven't completed a through hike yet and I don't want to be, you know, speaking out of the wrong side of my mouth, but, um, my plan is to at least have something weekly. Um, I had a little bit of like a daily little end of the day poetry writing habit last time around. I think I'm going to do that. And I'll probably, you know, at least put, you know, a little section of, you know, my week in like a poem a day kind of thing out there, but there should be at least an article a day coming out. I'm not exactly sure what the topics are. I guess I'm sort of just going to let that come to me, but a lot of it's going to be, you know, hostile reviews if I stay somewhere cool or talking about a town or a funny story that happened. You know, sometimes I'll probably wax philosophic about how amazing the trail is or how much this week sucked, but I don't have a very specific plan. Um, I just know I'll be updating fairly regularly. Um, and, And those posts I'll be shooting out on Facebook, Instagram. And then, you know, if you go to, uh, the trek.co under uh, I believe it's either the authors or the writer section. You can scroll down and see sidetrack and it's a picture of me with really long hair and goofy sunglasses. And you can click on that and you'll see all my stuff. Um, if you give them your email, they'll actually send it to you so you can follow the post there. Mm. Um, or anybody else that's writing for the trek. I know you've had some other uh, trek authors on. So if folks want to go, you know, explore around, there's some really good writing staff there that do some good work you can follow. Uh, yes, they do. I've been reading the Trek for a while, and it's how I came across you. It's how I found you, Jake. It was uh, I saw that you had written a piece for the Trek. And it's not just for people who are aspiring through hikers, just people that are part of the hiking community or enjoy hiking. So we'll be able to follow you through your social media and with the articles you'll be sending into the Trek. Uh, Justin, we know you have your YouTube channel. Share with us a little bit about that. Um, So I just named it Trailhead Justin because I'm always out on a trailhead, whether I'm doing a hike or a biking trip or whatever. Um, Pretty much I'm documenting all of my outdoor experiences. And I also decided I wanted to document my through hike because a lot of my friends and family, when I told them that I was going to hike the Appalachian Trail, they didn't really understand what that meant or what that entailed. And they immediately went into like panic and fear. And are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, it'll be fine. Don't worry. So I decided I'll just vlog it. So you all can see what it is and you can follow my progress and you can know that I'm still alive because if I'm still putting out videos then I'm still alive and I'm fine. So yeah, I'm definitely not going to be posting every day though, because I just, I know I'm going to get sick of that. So I'll just put out episodes when I get to town and when I feel like it. So yeah, I just want to have fun with it. So that's my plan. And that should be the mission, right? Is have fun, right? Everybody wants to be a a social media or YouTube or podcast superstar, but I know what myself with what I'm doing, the motivation was, this is fun. That's why I'm doing this. And it sounds like that's what you're doing here. You're having fun sharing your experience with your friends and family, not to mention to let them know you're alive and doing okay. And I enjoy your videos, Justin, by the way. You you do a great job with your videos. Thank you. I appreciate that. Another person who I really enjoy watching, Stan, who's another YouTuber. Share with us a little bit about your channel, Stan. Yeah, uh, Stan the Man Hikes. And um, so I'm kind of in the same vein as Justin. I just... I love sharing my experiences with family, friends, and whoever wants to watch. And so I kind of just wanted to be, I, I've always enjoyed photography and music. So I I think putting those two things together are kind of like a great way to inspire people uh, to get out and do things and just enjoy the trail that I'm enjoying. And, you know, I, I've been watching vlogs forever at least for the past seven years and enjoying them so much. But I know a lot of, you know, a lot of my family and friends and, you know, they haven't. So 
a lot of these places that I'm going that seem just things I've seen forever, you know, they haven't seen. And so I want, I want them to be able to enjoy it. And I'm, I'm not going to vlog every day. There's no way. Um, with the problems with uploading and that's such, I find that to be frustrating. So, um, I'm just, I'll probably vlog maybe, you know, I'll vlog every, I'll get footage from every day, but I'll try to encapsulate that and, you know, maybe a 10, 12 minute vlog that's covers three days, you know, something like that is what I'll try to do. And I'll try to mix it between music and scenery and people I'm meeting along the way because i i'm i want i want to share the whole the whole experience with people as much as i can yeah, cause we had talked earlier before the interview that videoing is a lot more work than recording audio so you and justin yep. the two of you you've got that challenge ahead of you too you got to find time you want to keep the people who are following you updated but you want to make sure right. you you, you want to put quality videos out there you just want to slap some video up there exactly so my guess is now i'll go to you on this one justin have you thought about is this going to be like something you do when you go into town or maybe on days where you just get into camp a little early sit down and and do some editing um yeah definitely when i get into town take care of whatever chores i need to take care of and get settled and comfortable then i can pull out my phone and start going through footage and trying to throw a video together um, I do have an idea that I would like to put out episodes weekly and I'll probably delay them by like two weeks just so that I have enough time to actually put the video together on my own time without having to stress about it. And if I happen to run into any issues, as Stan mentioned, with like uploading to YouTube and stuff like that, I have a little bit of a window to to get that settled. But that's my initial plan. And something I love to hear from about uh, both aspiring and people who have through hike is the reactions they get from friends and family when they say they're doing this. Now, is there that one reaction or response you got from a loved one or a friend that stands out? We'll start with you, Jake. Came out and said, I'm through hiking the Appalachian Trail. So that's, that's interesting because I've kind of had it twice. Um, you know, I told everybody the first time around. Um, and then when I came off trail, I kind of just disappeared from a lot of people and sort of went back into life. Um, so, you know, a few of the friends that I've recently talked to, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm leaving in March. And they're like, Oh, you're going again. It's usually surprise. and like, Hey, congratulations. But the first time around it was like, wait, so how long is it? Are you walking the whole thing? Why would you want to do like, they just don't, people don't understand why you would want to, what the trail entails, like how difficult it is. You know, they ask you, they're like, how long is it? And you're like, well, it's from Georgia all the way to Maine. And they're like, why are you, are you sure? You sure you don't want to do it in sections? You know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of sort of disbelief at why would any kind of sane human do this thing? Um, <laughs> now my friends have just come to the understanding that I am not a sane human. And so they're, they're, enabling me and being very congratulatory, which, which I appreciate. Do you have any like really crazy responses? Cause like the, my favorite is somebody had told me a friend responded to them when they said they would be hiking from Georgia to Maine. The response was, well, wouldn't it be easier to drive? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I get a lot of, uh, one thing I get a lot of that I've kind of had to negotiate is like, you know, people want to, people really want to help, you know, in ways that I'm like, I can't, you know, oh, can I get you some gear? Can I get you some food? Can I do, you know, where can I send things? You know, I want to get all my friends to send you like baked goods. And I'm like, listen, I don't, as much as I would love 12 pounds of cookies, I can't hike out of town with 12 pounds of cookie. You know, so like negotiating people's desire to help and actually trying to figure out in my own mind, like how could this very well-intentioned, wonderful human help me has probably been the most like interesting and kind of frustrating question. Like they mean very well, but a lot of times I'm like, look, I don't know how you can help. I, at, at some point, maybe I'll text you and you can Venmo me $5 and I can use that to buy a slice of pizza somewhere. I don't really know. So that's kind of probably the most common, like weird one is like, can I send you things? Can I buy you things? Can I, how can I help? And I'm, I feel bad. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know what to tell you. Okay. 
Stan, any unique or interesting responses you got from friends and family when you told them what you'd be doing? Well, it's been quite a way, a long time ago that I decided seven years ago. And in that amount of time, my family is so supportive and my friends have all got behind me and they're really excited about the hike. They're following the journey and such. I do have some of my city friends um, and people I work with, like, you know, you know, my boss or a couple of them, they're like, you know, you (laughs) like, are you sure you want to do this? It's like, why would you want to do this? You know, you don't belong out there in the woods. There's bears out there. You're going to fall off a cliff. I'm concerned for your safety. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you're not going to be happy out there. You're going to be bored. You're going to be this. Why would you do such a thing like this? And um, I think it's basically just, you know, people are just unaware of the the joy you get and the reward you get from hiking up a mountain and and seeing the views and working hard for it and and uh, and how good that makes you feel. And the people you meet along the way, I mean, the hiker community is all of us snow. It's just it's it's the most supportive community that I know. And I just, I love that part about the trail. And so I, I, and I try to explain that to, you know, people and yeah, that's a good thing. But why do you have to go out in the woods to do it type of thing, you know? <laughs> and Justin, how about you? Any interesting stories you want to share? Too many to tell on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I know you shared quite a few people. when we did the interview, but if you have any that come to mind that you want to talk about now. Yeah, I've had old friends just flat out tell me that I'm going to die. I guess <laughs> them just assuming that I'm wandering out into the woods, not knowing what I'm doing and just taking my chances on life. Uh, I've had family members and friends just look at me like I'm crazy and just go, why, why would any person want to do that? And then I've gotten the, the fear mongering similar to what Stan was saying about, Oh, the bears and the snakes and whatever else is out there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. And I think at this point, most of my friends and family know that whenever I say I'm going to do something, they can say whatever they want to try to dissuade me, but I'm just more than likely going to do it anyway. And it's the same case here. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting. And even though I'm not a through hiker, yeah, when people hear I go out and hike up these peaks or hike in the snow, why would you do that? I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Unless, and, and you know, and, and I've, you know, my multi week hikes, you know, isn't it dangerous out there? Well, I don't know. I grew up outside New York City. It could be pretty dangerous just trying to cross the street, right, Stan? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you turned on the news in 2022? It's dangerous everywhere. That's right. That's right. Yep. I all think right. it's safer to be out in the woods, quite honestly. Yep. Sure. Guys, we're all closing in on that date when you're going to head out on the trail. And I've got to ask, What's going through your mind? Are, are, is the anticipation building? And do you have a, is, is there like a countdown going on where you're going to the calendar every day and saying, okay, X number of days, or is there, are you getting a little nervous? Let's start this time with you, Jake. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's weird because I didn't expect to feel nervous, but I'm like kind of terrified because my last go around was a pretty consistently painful experience. Um, just like, for Stan and Justin, if you guys haven't listened to the episode, I have cerebral palsy, so I've got some like disability stuff going on. And things get tight and painful, so I'm a little bit nervous about my physical preparation. Um, you know, my budget isn't what it was last year, so like I'm a little kind of trepidatious about like I really hope this is better than it turned out for me last time. But I'm also really stoked because I absolutely am in love with the trail community. And I put my whole life on hold and there were so many opportunities that I didn't take so that I could have this one. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's nervousness because I really hope it'll be better, but it's, it's also a real excitement to get out there and get amongst the hiker trash again. Justin, how about you? How are you feeling at this point since you're going to be the first guy out? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared. Uh, I have just like general fears of like getting bit by a rattlesnake 
or a tick, which is the same color as my skin, which will make it that much harder to see. And, uh, you know, I'm nervous about the possibility of something going wrong or getting seriously injured and not being able to complete my hike for whatever reason. But at the same time, I am like looking at the calendar and I'm seeing that I'm down to like 30 something days before I set out. And I'm also getting a little excited because it's been so many years just to get to this point. So I'm ready to get out there at this moment in time. But uh, before I can do that, I got to finish up these last couple of weeks at work and I'm stressed out from that. But I think the excitement will really start to ramp up once I finish my last day and <laughs> leave my job for the last time. Then I'll be like, all right, that's a load off my shoulders and I can just focus on what I'm about to do. Yeah, right now it sounds like you still have a lot going on in the so-called real world. It hasn't, hasn't even 100% sunk <laughs> in either, right? No, not yet. Now, Stan, you've done a lot of trail magic. So I'm imagining it has to have gone through your mind. Is this karma going to pay off now? I sure hope so. I've been, um, you know, I'm not out there to get trail magic, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm really, you know, hoping that, you know, I get my good share of it along the way, not because I did it, but just, I, I just want to experience the trail community like that, you know, so I'm, I'm. I'm thinking, yeah, you've got to, at least the trail's going to give something back to you in some way or another, whether it's an enjoyable experience or through trail magic. Yeah, I I already have people that I gave trail magic to over the years. They're, they're like, hey, we're there for you, Stan. We're going to come, you know, summer in Georgia, summer in Maryland, you know, summer in other parts of the country, and not the country, but the, you know, eastern seaboard. And they're like, we're I'm good, we're going to be there for you. You know, you can stay at our house. We're going to do this for you. We're going to do that. And I just appreciate that so much. You know, that's that's part of the whole community, how we can help each other. And, you know, like I think I told you last time, I have, you know, friends that I've made throughout the my, my years doing trail magic that, you know, we still talk now, you know, and it's it's just it's just such an awesome thing. How are you feeling at this point? set in yet that you're getting ready to start soon? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm, I have a few things going on. I have, I'm retiring in three weeks. So it's like, I'm retiring. Okay. Step phase number one, I retire. So I got to figure, you know, get that all done. Phase number two, I close out my apartment and I move to DC to, you know, live with my daughter for, you know, four weeks until I hit the trail. So it's kind of like in phases, you know, I, I, I've got to retire, then I have to move and then I'm going to be with my daughter and then it's hit the trail. And it's, it's, so it's, I know all that is going to go by really fast. The anticipation is building and, um, I really, I'm excited to have it happen. Justin. Stan, I just want to congratulate you on never having to work again. I'm <laughs> thank <jealous>. you and envious. <laughs> so you my, yeah, these are young guys my here. Bosses <laughs> seem to think, my bosses seem to think that I'm going to be bored, and they're like, "Hey, you're going to go out. And, you can't hike the rest of your life. You're going to be bored. So we know you're going to come back." Type of yeah, thing. Remember, Will so, did but it. But I want to keep that in my it. back pocket just in case. Are we going to see any before and after pictures of you guys? I know, I, Jake, you were kind of, you were sporting quite a beard and some hair uh, when you finished up last year. Are we going to get to see that? Well, I grew that hair out for a little while before that. You got a head start last year. Yeah, and the beard grows super slow too. So I was like, well, I'm going to have it. I'd rather not be embarrassed by it. So I kind of like I cheated a little bit, but yeah, you're definitely going to see a before and after. Um, I was thinking about getting like a DEXA scan just to see body fat. I, I what I really want to do is get a blood panel done so that I can actually like look at how poorly this affects my health because I know there are going to be some like weird things that I that you wouldn't expect from you know walking in the woods. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to do at least before and after pictures. If not, you know, a whole I'd like to do a an article um, with you know just some preliminary blood work to see kind of what sort of health impacts there are. I'm actually really curious as to... Yeah, Jake, I did an interview with somebody 
who did that, who wrote, wrote an article, I believe it was for Backpacker Magazine or outside, I can't remember, one of those two magazines. And they had hiked the PCT. And I'll see if I could find the information. Was that the was that the student that did it with his professor as the project? Yes. I think I saw it. Yes. Because I've read yeah. that article. I've read that article before. That was interesting. Yes. Yeah, I interviewed him. Uh, I had him on the podcast. Justin, how about you? Are you going to be sporting a beard sometime? Like when you get up near my neck of the woods, am I going to say somewhere underneath all that hair and beard, there's Justin? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I have a baby face and I don't really grow a lot of facial hair. So we'll we'll see how much of it wants to grow. <laughs> yeah, both of you guys have very young looking faces and hopefully it stays with you and you get up into your 50s and 60s. <laughs> yeah, you probably can't even see these 17 chin hairs. That's I got I got something to say about that. <laughs> I if you if you could see me, you know, I I don't have any hair. So I shave it off on the sides and the back and I really have no no intent to let that grow in the side and the back. I'm going to take my shaver along and keep shaving it because I don't want to look like Bozo the clown. So, <laughs> you know, that that hair is coming off. I'm going to keep shaving it. And I'm, I don't like the feel of a real bushy beard. And I know everyone likes that. Like mine grows pretty fast. So I'm going to try to keep it trimmed as, as I go. And, you know, when I hit town or whatever and try to keep it trimmed down a little bit, you know, everybody kind of tells me, ah, just let it grow. But I kind of wish I had Justin's problem that it didn't grow so fast. Yeah, these guys don't understand. As you get older, the hair migrates from your head to all over your body, right? It starts going fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Places, right? That you don't want it growing. My pops has this easy top, and I'm jealous. You know, I want the. Yeah, you want the big beard, and I want to keep it trimmed. No, I'm good. I like my baby face. Yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun, and thanks for letting us go along on your journey and we're going to talk as you go along. We're going to set up so that when you, when you have your town stops, we can touch base and you can keep us all up to date so we could follow you. We're going to make sure we have links to your social media, whether it's the YouTubes and uh, Instagram, whatever you're using the Trek, make sure people can follow Jake's articles uh, that he'd be putting into the Trek. You know, the trail just has a way of giving and, my experience in my multi-week hikes is if you really want to renew your faith in humanity, go spend a few weeks on the trail. And I've probably said this to each of you when I interviewed you that my personal experience being out there was I came home saying, wow, there are still some really nice people, some really good people out there. You guys are going to be out there enjoying that and you're going to see what, you know, the goodness that still exists in a world that right now seems very crazy. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. In closing, yeah. I want to go around here and we'll go in reverse. We'll start with Stan this time. Poor Justin in the middle. You're going to be in the middle again, Justin. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Any last words you want to say or say to your uh, fellow hikers here? Man, I just, um, I'm so excited for each one of us that we can get out there and do this. You know, my thoughts and prayers are with each person every day. You know, I, I, I kind of realize that, you know, a lot of people have told me this and I, and I kind of feel like your each step can be a step away from ending your hike. And I don't want to put like a gloom on it, but I, I just, you know, I've had some experience where I've hurt myself a little bit at times trying to push or whatever. And man, it's just that I just want to say to my fellow hikers, you know, my prayers and thoughts are with each person uh, for a safe hike, for a hike that's successful, that fulfills everything while you're out there. And uh, that, man, I just want to see each and every hiker be successful and, man, get to Katahdin or to Springer, wherever that is, and just celebrate that fact and take advantage of every moment because this is like a God-given moment for all of us just to take advantage of that and live every moment to its fullest. Justin, how about you? Any words for your fellow hikers or to everybody that's going to be sharing this journey with you? Yeah, to uh, Stan the Man and Jake and to the entire class of 2022 through hikers, section hikers, and even day hikers. Just good luck to all of you. Uh, Let's go have some fun. Let's connect and 
be ourselves. And I'm also going to say leave no trace because that's important yes. too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's very important. And thank you for reminding us about that, Justin. And how about you, Jake? Yeah. To everybody hiking that's going to be out there with us, uh, I can't wait to meet so many of you. I know you guys are awesome. The trail community is, you know, what I like to think of as the real America. The division melts away and, and we're all going through the same struggle, just like we are every day. Um, it's mm-hmm. a little more obvious to us, but. Um, I can't wait to meet you guys, uh, smiles over miles. And to all those folks uh, trying to live vicariously through us, what I always say to people that look at me, I just say, look, it's there for you. And the minute Mm -hmm. you decide that it's there for you and it's available for you, then you can figure out how. But don't let whatever's in the way convince you that you can't. There's there's ways to overcome those obstacles. So just know that, that this experience is out there for you. Um, you know, some it's easier than others. But, you know, if this is something that you're weighing in your mind, you know, like Stan said, he thought about it for years. It's there for you. You know, come join us. We'd love to have you. Yeah. And on behalf of the those who listen to the podcast and the people associated with the Papa Bear Hikes podcast, Really wishing you guys the best of luck. I'm really looking forward to our virtual pizza party at the end after you guys all make it up to Katahdin. Mm-hmm. And we're looking forward to hearing about your journey. Just feel so fortunate that you're going to share it with us. Everybody, when you get out there, you know, let's, let's be safe out there. We'll stay in touch and, and we'll be rooting for you all. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, make sure you visit popbearhikes.com and listen to the interviews because I've interviewed each of these gentlemen individually and they were great interviews. And you'll find out why, you know, we want to be, and we should be rooting for all mankind, but you'll really feel motivated to get behind these guys and follow them, check out their YouTube channels or their social media or their articles they're writing. Let's get behind these guys and root for them. And don't forget, get out there, have some fun. And those of us living up north, it's getting cold. So bundle up and stay warm. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to leave a review found it helpful or useful or just entertaining let us know we can be contacted at papa bear hikes at gmail.com or check us out at papa bear hikes zero one on instagram thanks for listening get outside and have a great day this episode of papa bear hikes has been brought to you by avalon publicity avalon publicity increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.